Welcome to the EquipCast for the Archdiocese of Omaha. Designed to help leaders to transform their cultures, to embody the pastoral vision, to be one church, encountering Jesus, equipping disciples, and living mercy. All right, everybody. Welcome to the EquipCast. I am your host, Jim Jansen, and I am really excited to introduce to you uh, some old friends of mine. We, we were just talking before the show. We've been friends for almost 20 years. Um, joining us on the podcast today, we have Aaron and Brooke Keller. Welcome, guys. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Great. Doing really well. Uh, truth be told, I'm actually finishing a quarantine which is a rough stretch to do when your children are also at home and when it's really cold out, but super excited uh, to thank you for the gift of technology to be able to connect and, and do the, do the podcast. So we want to talk today a little bit about like the the pandemic has become a gift for you all to uh, make some, some cool connections with your neighbors. We want to talk about that today, but before we jump in, like, Tell us a little bit about yourselves, your faith journey. When did you guys first encounter Jesus? Thanks. Uh, thanks for inviting us, Jim. It's a lot of fun to be here with you again after I, I actually did the math. I've known you for 22 years, Jim. So, <laughs> Okay. It's the two that makes all the difference. That's right. Yeah. Those are the hard, the hard two years though. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, I grew up Catholic and lived my young life going through the motions. I'll say that, that uh, many long lifetime Catholics do. But I think I, I really came into uh, my own, so to speak, or, or really first encountered Jesus or first realized the encounter with Jesus it, during my college years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was blessed to, to be a part of the Newman Center and involved in the Newman Center and just had so many tremendous witnesses around me where mm-hmm. I could tangibly see what it meant to truly live your faith, what it meant to truly be in relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, so it was really that, that witness of, of everyone around me that really kind of inspired me to take a step forward and, and uh, search for him myself. That's awesome. I know. I mean, our stories have a lot of rhyme in, in that regard because mine, mine was similar. I remember one of the most profound thing for me in my college years is when I ran into people who were actually my age, who didn't seem to be grossly socially needy, who loved Jesus. And that was so confusing to me. The Lord used it to, to grab my attention and honestly to, you know, help my, my heart to say yes to his invitation, which it wanted to anyway. I just was mentally, I just had a mental block because I didn't know anyone my age that was into their faith. So yeah, community has been I know, huge for both of us in our journey. Brooke, what, what about you? Tell us a little bit about your story. I, same uh, baptized Catholic, born and raised. I would say probably got into my faith more. It sounds kind of cliche, but tech retreat my junior year of high mm. school. I, If you ask my mom, I say that I loved high school. She's like, you did not like high school. And I <laughs> used to block those things out because after my junior year, I went to tech probably in February. Oh, it was the, the longest, world's longest tech. We last four days. We got snowed in. That's a fun record. Okay. Yeah. In Hastings, Nebraska. But after that, I just really found friends that wanted to be 
holy and was like, hey, you want to stop in the chapel quick before track practice? Or I'm going to go pray. You want to come with me? And just had a really solid core of like four to five people that I could live my faith with and was surrounded by awesome priests at Pius. I'm from Lincoln. So at Pius, um, you know, there's awesome young priests that were very energetic Mm -hmm. about their faith. And so just kind of went from there. And obviously uh, in the Diocese of Lincoln, um, Melissa had just started as a youth director there that they had never had that position. And so I think all of those things just kind of came at the right time. And yeah, shout out for Melissa Lucas Ford. Yeah. Mutual friend. Yeah. So she was a huge um, influencer. And so I just really was then surrounded with people and had um, the people that I needed to make faith fun. And I didn't know, like there was this whole, it was like opening up this whole Catholic world that I just no idea existed. That's hilarious. I should just, before we go any farther, Aaron and Brooke Keller, you're not siblings. You all are married, as a matter of fact. I mean, I think the really sharp people in the audience were like, hey, they have the same last name. Uh, tell us a little bit about your family. How long have you guys been married? Uh, 16 years. <laughs> I love the pause. You didn't, <laughs> didn't know that it was good. Aaron has it memorized. 16 and a half. I'm an engineer, so I like all the numbers. <laughs> um, we've been married for 16 and a half years. Um, I'm from Lincoln. We lived in Kansas for the first 10 years of our marriage and we moved back to Omaha. Are we in our seventh year here almost? Yeah. Yeah. And um, go to St. Stephen the Martyr Parish here in Omaha. We have a 13 year old daughter and an eight year old daughter. And Aaron, you, you alluded to the day job. You're an engineer by training. Yes. And, and Brooke, what's your, what's your day job? I'm a professional volunteer. Okay. That's awesome. <laughs> Which means you basically just have no boundaries. You can't say no. Is that what, what does it mean to be a professional volunteer? If you ask Aaron, he might say that's what it means. Okay. Um, I um, currently, I am doing the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd program for St. Stephen's preschool. So I am up there four days a week in the morning doing all the preschool classes through Catechesis. And then I am the home and school president for St. Stephen's. And so that's keeps me fairly busy. That's awesome. Now, for those who don't know, what is Catechesis of the Good Shepherd? Just give people a little kind of appetizer of this, just like what it is and then like some of the fruit and the experience, because it's such a beautiful youth formation program. Yeah. Um, So Catechesis of the Good Shepherd is the observation that the young child is in relationship with Jesus but it just looks different than we as adults express things because they're little. And Mm -hmm. so they don't have the same words to express that they are in relationship with Jesus. I do three to six year olds is level one and there's level two, six to nine, and then nine to 12 for level three. But it just, the whole program is based on scripture and liturgy and it helps the young child. It gives them the opportunity for quiet and to hear God's voice and just to build that relationship with the good shepherd, because if they fall in love with the good shepherd, they will always want to do right by him. So tell us, like, if somebody were to come and watch a catechesis of the good shepherd moment, come to visit the atrium and call it right to come to one of the sessions, like what would they see? 
So the atrium is the special prepared environment for the small for the young child by the, the adult. It's the work of the adult to prepare the environment for them. It's Montessori based, so it's child led. Um, so lots of hands-on materials. We have, you know, model size altar and chalice and patents and chasubles and the city of Jerusalem with walls that you can move. And so it's actually it's the most shocking part is it's super quiet and super calm. Yeah. You, you walk into a room of what, you know, like a half a dozen, dozen toddlers and it's quiet. Yeah. It's very, very quiet. <laughs> and there's no drugs involved either. I mean, it's really a beautiful thing. Yes. Yeah. It's super quiet. And so because we talk about how do we hear God's voice? Well, we hear God's voice when in the quiet. And so we practice listening very quietly to God's voice and they have works that they have in the atrium because using your hands helps lead to prayer and contemplation. So they take the story of the birth of Jesus, and then they have a work that goes with it where they can move the figures and, and more and enter more fully into the story. It's a beautiful thing. Um, we've had two of my children now who have had some, had some exposure. I mean, I love the way you started it. Like they're really praying. Like mm-hmm. you can, as you start to get the glimpses, like, oh, wow, you are really communing with God now. It's really, it's, it's a, yeah, exceptionally beautiful thing. We should do, we'll have you back sometime, do a whole show on catechesis of the, of the good, good shepherd. Let's maybe transition. I, I noticed as both of you, as you talked about your stories of faith, you talked about the impact that other people had had in this kind of community around you, which I, I feel like kind of ties in with our, our main theme today, you guys have done some really cool outreach with your neighbors. When did you begin to first kind of intentionally reach out to your neighbors? Initially, when we first moved back to Nebraska and moved into our neighborhood, we knew we wanted to be in a safe environment, you know, in a neighborhood that we felt comfortable in. We both grew up in neighborhoods surrounded by friends our age and Mm -hmm. just those were joyful moments from our youth, you know, just out riding bikes or playing football with the neighbors from literally sun up to sundown. And those were, you know, again, just such great memories for each of us that we wanted to make sure that we felt confident enough in today's day and age where, where you know, everything that happens, all the scary things in the world. Uh, we wanted to be confident that we could allow our children kind of that same freedom to just be outside to be playing and, and kind of have, have their own boundaries. And we just felt like one of the things we needed to do initially was meet the other parents, you know, just mm-hmm. at a, at the basic level of, of friendships and, you know, how do you just be a good human neighbor? <laughs> uh, so, so that was really the start of it. And I think it was when the, if within the first week, you know, our neighbor approached Brooke and invited her to a wine night which I was a little jealous of. Oh, oh, like W-I-N-E, not W-H-I-N. Okay. Right, yeah. There was I was going to say, because like she must not have known you yet because you would have been great at the W-H-I-N-E night. Yeah, yeah, probably a little of both, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was L Street Wine Club. I would say we, by the grace of God, landed in a neighborhood that was very active as well. And so I feel mm-hmm. like, when we moved, it's, it was totally the neighborhood when you're looking at the house, like everybody's peeking through the blinds at like, who's that? 
<laughs> and so um, there was a lot of young or a lot of moms on the street that stayed at home with little kids. I mean, I think Caitlin was like 18 months old at that point. So she was still pretty young. And so they're like, hey, we just started this wine club. You want to come? I was like, sure. So, I mean, and it, and so we just have been blessed with very chatty and talkative neighbors. And so I think that has helped. They were receptive at the, at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, um, and I think that's just always been like Aaron was saying, I lived in the same house until I went to college. So we were with our neighbors all the time, you know, come home when the street lights come on type. And so you just, and even in Kansas, we knew our neighbors really well. And so, and hung out and just were outside and stuff like that. So I think that was just the nature of our upbringing was just to be out and meet the neighbors. Talk a little bit about the effect of the pandemic, because it sounds like you had this desire, okay, we want to connect with our neighbors. It's been part of our childhood. You know, the experience, something you were looking for when you're coming back to Omaha, like what did that do uh, to this, you know, growing little community? I would say even maybe even before the pandemic, you know, we had we had developed over the course of a couple of years, um, just natural friendships. You know, we with our neighbors, we've got kids all roughly the same ages. And so, like Brooke said, we were fortunate enough to just just to develop natural friendships. And, and that's such a huge first step uh, to really then truly loving your neighbor. You know, I, it was probably two or three years ago now where uh, during prayer, I came to the realization, like, do I really love my neighbors or, or am I just, do I just like that they'll sit outside and have a beer with me? <laughs> you know, I started to, to think, what would this be like if they actually knew Jesus? Like how much greater could our friendship mm-hmm. be uh, if they knew Jesus? And, and so I just started to, a desire started to build up within me that my neighbors would want to know Jesus. Now that doesn't come easily, right? For, for mm-hmm. people who are non-practicing anything. <laughs> um, but again, just building that friendship and then bringing them to prayer really helped me to guide some of those conversations that we've had uh, over the past few years. And, you know, when the pandemic hit, you know, we had nothing else to do, nowhere else to go. And so I'm pretty sure it was almost every day uh, you know, after we left our home offices, we needed to change our environment. We just stepped outside. You know, it was the summertime mm-hmm. and stepped outside and shared a beverage on the driveway. And oftentimes, it, you know, they'd just walk over with their, you know, lawn chair or their their tailgating chair and we'd sit down and sometimes talk until till it got dark. You know, we we all of a sudden just had all sorts of space, all sorts of time where we could just be together. And I don't think any of us, I don't think any of us realized how much our time was consumed uh, with other things before the pandemic. So you got more time with them, you know, pandemic hits. Okay. No soccer practice, no other activities. You ended up getting more time. Yeah. Oh, significantly more time. You know, all of our sporting events for our children stopped. And, you know, we, at least I had kind of seen those opportunities at our kids' sporting events to, to reach out to the other dads and to build relationships mm-hmm. there. So uh, as someone who knew the value of relationships and, and knew that the Lord worked through just physical, natural relationships, 
uh, honestly, when the pandemic hit, I was a little downtrodden that we that we weren't allowed to go out and and continue to maintain those. Um, mm. But really, over time, I I realized that it was just the Lord redirecting our time uh, to focus on the relationships right here on our street. And so, just to make this explicit. You've got this beautiful community, right? Hospitable neighbors. Hi, welcome to the neighborhood. Would you like to sh- drink a glass of wine with me? So, like, I mean, great community, but this is not, this is not a right like religious only Catholic compound. This is not a commune. This is a normal neighborhood, you know, suburban life, and everybody's all across the map, the religious spectrum, faith practice map. T- talk a little bit more about that yeah i i guess i'll i'll start and brooke can chime in here or there i mean i I would say when you say all over the map it's pretty far one-sided and not the sided that we want it to be uh you know so i mean one of the neighbors sometimes as as she's talking she reminisces about her her youth group days but it's been quite some time since she's, you know, experienced church. And, um, you know, the, some of our other neighbors grew up Catholic. One of the, one of the guys, and I, I'll share this, I'm sure it's at one point, but one of the guys, two houses down, grew up Catholic, grew up in a Catholic home, but, you know, pretty much has left his faith and left all faith, to be mm-hmm. honest, you know, based on the conversations we've had. So they're definitely, if, if you were to say, you know, far left side in terms of uh, th- their journey with Christ, the thresholds. Now talk about that, because that's a mental framework that, um, you know, Aaron, you've been part of the, the mentorship program for lay leaders, one of the first, you know, alumni of that program. Talk a little bit, left side's kind of a common parlance for us, imagining this journey, kind of mentally lay it out maybe not step-by-step, but for people kind of like this vision of this spiritual, spiritual journey. Sure. So yeah, the the left side, I mean, kind of like how we read a book, we always read from, from left to right. Uh, And in its most general sense, as you move from quote unquote, left to right on this journey, you're growing in, in love for the Lord. You're, you're growing in your relationship with God. So somebody who would Again, quote unquote, be on the far left side. They're they're very distant from from God and His church, maybe even hostile towards it, uh, mm-hmm. t- towards Him and, and the church. And um, you know, there's different just different moments in our lives, different periods in our lives as we as we go on this journey, uh, as we move through these thresholds, where we're we're hopefully growing closer and closer to Christ, and then. Kind of right in the middle is this decision point of, you know, I, I've I've searched and, and and desired Christ. Am I truly going to be a disciple of His? Uh, and and there's this tipping point between the left and the right sides. And then uh, once you realize the the great joy that's in front of you when you say yes, there's still so much more for you to continue to grow in your relationship with Christ, uh, where you're you're growing and learning, and then. You know, all of a sudden, you you want to be out there doing the work of the Lord, doing the work of the church, and you become a, a, a disciple, a missionary disciple, and then you teach others how to how to make disciples. And so there's this this threshold that we speak of of far left, very far away from the church, very far away from the Lord, maybe even hostile, to eventually coming to trust and, and know the Lord 
and then truly to hold him at the center of your heart and, and to do everything that he asks us to do. Okay. So you're, you're really, that's just a mental framework for, uh, yeah, just for this spiritual journey that everybody goes on, you know, in, in some way, different speeds, different, you know, different expressions as, as they go through that it, with that kind of mental framework, most of the, most of your neighbors wouldn't be self-describing as Christians or disciples. You're saying most of them would be in a position where they're like, well, I mean, maybe, you know, cause they're American, maybe they would give like the Christianity thing a head nod. But other than that, there there's, there's very little about their attitudes in their lives that seems to indicate that they're actively pursuing a relationship with the Lord. And that wasn't off-putting to you. Yeah, I would say that's probably a pretty good summary. I think the thing that we've been blessed with on our street is that there's a lot of natural virtue on our street. So even mm. though they may be far left or not even believe in, there's just a lot of, like, even all the people that our girls hang out with on the street, like, they're two-parent households with loving homes, not a lot of drama, everybody kind of just seems to be on the same page of like, yes, let's protect our children from crazy people. And so I think there's just a lot of Mm -hmm. natural virtue and natural generosity. Like, man, you ask for a cup of sugar and you'll get five. I think that also kind of helps, even though like from the threshold standpoint, they may not be on the far right. There's just a lot of that natural virtue. And that's helpful. That's a really helpful distinction because just this is what's sometimes confusing, uh, dare I say, even scandalous, where just because someone is a Christian doesn't mean they're a nice person, sadly, sometimes. And just because someone isn't a church-going member and isn't in relationship with the Lord doesn't mean that they're not a nice person. And now you've got these people who are like, well, yeah, they're, they're not maybe active in a church. They wouldn't you know, claim to be close with God. And yet they're nice. They're welcoming. They're, you're, you're making real connections there. You mentioned earlier, we just kind of, we, we made some, I think you use the word, like it's just some natural connections. We just had some, some natural things in common. Kids, but I get the feeling there was more than just the kids and enjoying a beverage on the driveway. What, what first kind of brought you all together? Oh, Good question. What brought us all together? I mean, the proximity is is certainly part of it. You know, we've got other neighbors too that uh, you know we'll we'll say hi to and and be friendly with. But you know, just being in in a similar state of life with the children mm-hmm. when the guys are together. Obviously, we talk about being husbands and fathers and everything that goes along with that. You say naturally. That doesn't always happen when people talk to their neighbors. <laughs> I was expecting you to say, naturally, we talk about football until it gets too depressing and then we move on, you know, but like, how did the conversations begin to move beyond superficial? We still start out our conversations about the weather and sports. <laughs> you know, those are, those are easy entries into, into something more. And, and to be honest, when, when there's, multiple of us hanging out, whether it's just all the guys or, or, or all the guys and ladies, the conversation pretty well stays at that level. I would say, Mm. you know, it doesn't get, it doesn't get real deep, real philosophical. We don't challenge each other a whole lot when, when it's the full group. Uh, Really when, when you really see the fruit of good conversation, 
is when it's just you and, and one of the other neighbors. Uh, mm. I had a just an incredible opportunity. It's been probably two years now where we've had a number of years of, of just building natural friendships. Uh, I had already started praying for my neighbors and, and for the Lord just to open up opportunities for deeper, better conversations. And it was a couple of summers ago, I recall, and uh, got done mowing the lawn and, and just decided to sit out front. You know, we've got a couple of chairs out front of our house. I always like to just sit out front and, you know, kind of be available, see who else is going to be walking around the neighborhood or sitting outside. Uh, so I was doing that. And lo and behold, my neighbor from a couple of houses down walked up with, with two drinks in his hand. I had already had a beverage next to me as well. So I didn't know if he meant to be there for a long time, or if he came to share. <laughs> uh, but he, you know, he just sat down in the, in the chair next to me and we were just chatting about normal things. And, you know, again, I had, I had been praying for an opportunity to, to really mm -hmm. take the conversation somewhere deeper. And, um, you know, he, he had shared a handful of things about his life and, and the different places he had lived, but I didn't really know a lot about his background. And so I just, I basically just asked him a question like, Hey, tell me, tell me about your childhood. Like, how, where'd you grow up? What'd you do? What'd you love to do when you were a kid? And he just completely opened up uh, and really shared, you know, I don't know how else to explain it, except that he just shared all of the brokenness that has been part of his life. Mm. Uh, I mean, just split parents, drugs, abuse, um, you know, being removed from his household by the state, just wow. really, really broken environment uh, when he was growing up. And that's, you know, for him to be able to just open up and share that with me, first off, I just praise the Lord that, that he was vulnerable to share those things. But that's really set a foundation for future conversations as well. Um, just to enter into that brokenness kind of you know, invite us to, to recall the blessings that we have in our lives, you know, mm -hmm. nowadays. And those opportunities don't come about when we're all in a big group sitting around the, the bonfire in the driveways. Well, and they don't come about when you're sitting inside or when you're sitting in the backyard. I mean, I, I love how this story begins that you're just, you're done cutting the grass, you know, could have easily just gone inside and you just decided to sit outside on the front porch, uh, which, yeah, helped create this, this opportunity. Yeah. And that's something we we're pretty intentional about is just being available. Brooke and I were talking about that before where, you know, again, we, we want to be outside. We want to be friendly. We, we want to develop this community of, of trust amongst all of our neighbors. And that starts with just being available you know, sitting outside on the front lawn, pulling out our lawn chairs and sitting on our driveways instead of enclosed on our back deck or, or inside in the 72 degree house, you know. <laughs> mm -hmm. the, you know, the thresholds for those who aren't familiar, there's this spectrum of people moving from pre-trust, hostility and suspicion to trust, to curiosity. Like, why do you do that? Openness and then an active seeking as they're on their way to finally making a decision for the Lord. You talked about people kind of stalling out at trust uh, and being stuck there, but you also shared that there was these kind of moments of openness and vulnerability 
talk about just your recognizing that, your conversation with the Lord on that, and and how you stepped into those moments as they presented themselves. Yeah, I think, you know, Brooke and I always tell each other that we just need to be ourselves. You know, the, the Lord's going to work through us. We're not going to hide anything. Uh, so as we share moments of our own lives, th- they should also witness the joy that comes along with that. And that joy itself is quite unique. It was really witnessing others living a mm. life of joy that I had never seen before. That's what drew me in. That's what that's what drew me closer. That's what caused me to go seeking myself. You know, so we're just we're ourselves. We're we're being who we are. We're we're living our life. We're not hiding anything. And then as those moments come up where where they ask questions, we can just reveal everything uh, and reveal more because they've actually entered into that. They're the ones who have engaged in that conversation. So we're not, we're not pressing anything upon them. We're just mm-hmm. offering our lives. And when they ask a question, then we can go into great, greater detail. Uh, and then, you know, with, with COVID and the fear that's going around, there's a, a lot of fear that has really isolated folks. And uh, one of our neighbors just kept talking about you know, just kind of meanly, I don't like this, or I don't like that, or I don't want to do this. And uh, no, and I, I think yeah. I know what you're saying. Yeah. So we were out front, and it was as school was approaching, and a couple of our neighbors are teachers, and and so you know, there's so much unknown going back, and mm-hmm. and we had I just we had been talking day after day about like what are they going to do, how's it going to look, and da, da, da. and I finally I'm trying trying to be better about asking more questions, and like well why do you think that? Or, and so I finally was just like, what would make it okay for you? Like what would make it so you weren't nervous and, you know, and just kind of talking her through that. And she, I don't remember exactly, but it's like, she gave her examples. I was like, okay, well, will there ever be a point when you're okay? And I just kind of kept pressing with those quite open-ended questions. And finally she was like, well, I'm, I'm just afraid of death. And I was like, Oh, interesting. You know? And so like, it was just, I'm, trying to be more asking more questions versus like say no you're wrong and this is why and trying to get them to come to their own conclusions and i just thought i was like oh that's exactly like that's the root of this well i mean that's that's <laughs> deep i'd be like i don't know i'm just afraid of dying right i mean it's like oh i mean you're not the only one right uh, i actually have a friend who has a cure for that but <laughs> yeah <laughs> wow right but it's just kind of um I think for me, I've done some life, again, going back to our shout out, Melissa Ford, she does life coaching. And so it's been a game changer for me and being able to recognize myself as a a beloved daughter of God and Mm -hmm. as a recovering people pleaser, um, like being able to ask those questions, knowing that with the answer they give, it's not a reflection on me. It's where they're coming from. And if they don't agree or it's, it doesn't mean anything about me. And so then it makes it easier for me to be able to be more open and be who I am. And because if you don't like me, that's okay. I'm not for everyone. And, and so (laughs) um, that's great. And so it just makes it easier when you love yourself to be able to love others without condition and without judgment and to be able to be free to just keep asking those questions to move them along through those thresholds of conversion. Yeah. Th- thank you for that. Cause I, 
It is hard sometimes. I, I mean, I think that at the root of it, sometimes we struggle to interact with people who don't agree with us, who don't, you know, whose life or lifestyle or values is, are, are different than us, because fundamentally we're not really secure in who we are. We don't know how to handle disagreement or disapproval from someone who, who's different. And that deeper security, your own identity as a, as a daughter of God, gave you the ability to engage with them. And, you know, Aaron, as you talked about, as you were, as you thought about the thresholds, the, the, the attention was drawn away from yourself. What am I going to say? What am I going to do? And you began to attend to them and to listen at, at a deeper level. I know a number of these conversations have grown and progressed that the, the friendship has deepened as you've taken advantage of the, those opportunities, you know, one-on-one in, in smaller groups. Talk a little bit about where some of those conversations have gone, because some of them I remember is, you know, we had talked earlier before the show, really beautiful stuff is happening because of these conversations. Another neighbor, Brooke, you were standing outside uh, with this neighbor and, uh, I was getting ready to leave for my holy hour, which is, which is nine o'clock every Wednesday. So nine o'clock at night. And the neighbor was like, where's he going? You know, such a late hour. And, and Brooke was just like, Hey, he's going to his holy hour. He goes to pray every Wednesday at nine. And um, th- this is our neighbor that, that had talked about her experiences in, in youth group, but mm. uh, again, probably pretty far, far left on the threshold. Uh, you know, may- maybe, maybe trusts some, some individuals, some things about the church, but doesn't really always talk very positively <laughs> about mm-hmm. it. So again, pretty far left, but she came running up to the car window and, and, and rolled down the window. And she just said, Hey, when you go to pray, will you go to pray for my friend? And, and I believe her name was Anne. We go pray for my friend, Anne. She just found out she has breast cancer. And, and, and mm. I just know that she needs prayers. And I was caught off guard, right? I didn't know what Brooke and, and, and she were, t- was talking about. She just kind of runs up to the window and I'm like, yeah, like I've never had you ask anything of me like that in the, mm-hmm. in the seven years that we've lived here. There's not like these huge light bulbs that, that go off where we finally realize or, or see like, oh yeah, now they have Jesus. Now they're now they're in a great You've not baptized anyone in the driveway yet. Yeah, not yet. Not or the kitty, the kitty pulling back. <laughs> right. But but those glimpses are just so they're so amazing, you know, and so inspiring just to to see even the little windows that the Lord opens up. A quick break to tell you about the Clear Path Foundations workshop. Are you enjoying the conversation about the thresholds of conversion? Do you want to learn even more? In May, the Archdiocese is inviting leaders and their teams to attend the Clear Path Foundations workshop. This workshop will help you develop leaders who are deeply convicted of the church's mission to make disciples, who understand the process of evangelization, and who can spread this vision to others. For more information or to register a team, go to equip.archomaha.org events. Well, I think about even when one of the neighbors, when his mom died, um, you know, he was raised Catholic, but hasn't been to church in a long time. He, I mean, like they came over to the door and were like, Hey, what are we supposed to do for these readings? Can you help us? Like he, the, mm. and she was being buried from far in a different state. And so he's like, I have to zoom with the pastor, but he said to get this book 
And, um, and so we're like, yep, we can help you. Like Aaron, thankfully Aaron's dad works at Catholic cemetery. So we've got a hookup. Um, but <laughs> very handy. <laughs> so he had all the books, <laughs> but, um, so you're like, yeah, you know, so I think even those little things of knowing like, oh, I have a Catholic question. I'm going to go straight to the, like, and, and ask and, and being willing to come over and be like, I don't know what these readings are. Can you like talk, walk me through this book? And then we made sure to send flowers to the church. Um, we got all the neighbors together and sent flowers to the church. And then it was the only flowers that were sent because she was being buried in a different state. So um, wow. I know that was super impactful to like, they sent pictures immediately, like saying we walked in and these flowers were front and center from all of you. And so. I love that though, that like the, you clearly, you've got this natural friendship. They clearly know, Oh, uh, Brooke and Aaron, they're the Catholics. And when there's this moment, whether it's just hanging out, having a beer, Hey, tell me about, tell me about your childhood, childhood growing up or this moment where, Oh gosh, my, my friend has cancer or my, you know, my, my parents just died. They're immediately coming to all because you're a, you're a safe place. There's a clear receptivity there. And that may be, I mean, you may be their only contact with the church, their only, you know, explicit friendship with someone who's uh, deeply connected to the Lord. I'll also add to just not only from Aaron and I's perspective, but from our oldest daughter, she's had a lot of conversations with the girls. Like when I had catechesis of the good shepherd in our basement in the summers, obviously the girls could never play down there during the school year, but in the summers, the stuff, it was, the atrium was set up. And so they would come over all the neighbor kids and they would go down there and they would play. And I was like, Oh, I don't want my things broken. But at the same time, like, they're like, Hey, no, Jesus is in my family. And they're, you know, they've got the Jesus statue down there and they're using the patent chalice. And doesn't everybody have a miniature tabernacle in their basement? Right. And oh yeah, that's just the city of Jerusalem. You don't have one in your basement? Right. And the ones I had in my house were huge compared to what I have currently in my atrium. So like they, you know, I was like, oh, I don't want them playing with my things. But at the same time, like, they're just like, no, the Bible is in my, like they, you know, they're using the Bible as their like cookbook and they're like going through and reading it. So like, I think too, just, and I know Gabby right now, Gabby's a, you know, she's a teenager now and these girls are dealing with, they're dealing with hard stuff. And just recently she was like, mom, it's just because they, they don't know Jesus. And I keep trying to tell them. And so like, for her to be able to recognize that too and want to share that, I think has been really helpful. And she's invited them. The neighbors have come to the parish festival before at, at St. Stephen's and, and she's invited them to mass and they've never come, but they definitely talk about it and she's constantly inviting. So also just from a kid's perspective. Gosh, I love how ordinary this is. Erin, I want to maybe go back to something that you said earlier I want to talk about prayer, but just just conscious first off that when we talk about the threshold, lest someone come in halfway, when we're when we're talking about someone left side, we're not talking about the political spectrum. <laughs> we're talking about you know the this mental framework of like the conversion process that people go through. And if you, I love the way you put it, right? If you read a book left to right, on the left side, it's people who are farther away from the Lord, journeying toward this point of trusting the Lord entrusting themselves and then growing in the life of discipleship. So lest anyone be confused, we're not talking political spectrum. We're talking 
this kind of left to right journey from not trusting God, not trusting Christians, the church, and slowly moving in in relationship. You mentioned earlier about the Lord bringing your neighbors to mind in prayer and in your prayer. How do you how do you pray for your neighbors? Yeah. Um, well, sometimes it's difficult. <laughs> Uh, you know, Brooke and I joke every once in a while, like, you know, we, we love being with our neighbors, but sometimes we don't, <laughs> you know, because the, the things that are priorities in their lives are, aren't the same things that are priorities in, in ours. And, you know, I, I had this, I think how it initially came up was, you know, I just, I desired something more for our friendship. Uh, mm. And as I thought more about it, I was like, well, well, what I want is I, I want Jesus to be a part of this. I, I want Jesus to be the foundation of our friendships. And so I was like, well, well, Lord, I can't, I can't force them to love you. You know, I can't, I can't do those things. I can't change their heart. That that's, that's your job. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. And so I just said, you know, surely I, I know for a fact that the Lord wants their heart more than I want the Lord to have their heart. Uh, mm-hmm. So I just said, Lord, I, you know, I, I want you to, to work in their lives, to, to provide for these opportunities where, where we can have meaningful conversations. Um, you know, Brooke, she, she always talks about sending her guardian angel out in front of her to, to tough meetings that she knows she has to go to, to, to prepare the other hearts, you know, our, they've got guardian angels too. And they're like best friends, I'm sure. So, so why not, you know, grease the skids, so to speak. Right. I mean, the guardian angels were showing up at the uh, L street wine night too. So (laughs) I don't think they had anything, but that's right. Yeah. So, yeah. So I would just, you know, at at the end of my normal time of prayer where where I'd be kind of focused on my relationship with the Lord, I I just would bring them to prayer just by name, you know, I offer to the Lord, each of them by name and just asked the Lord to do what he does. Uh, just give him the opportunity to invite me into that, to, to their life uh, and to open their hearts. So to be honest, it's nothing magical. There's nothing, nothing uh, profound that I say. I just, I just make sure that the Lord knows they're on my heart. And I ask him to open up those opportunities for, for deeper conversations. I love how you're delegating back to Jesus. You're, you're, you're like, Lord, you're going to have to take this one. Um, that's, uh, that's, a, that's awesome. Talk a little bit about sometimes we like being with them and sometimes we don't. Cause I, cause I think that I appreciate that honesty and that transparency. Cause some, some people have heard me tell my story at a you know, profound moment, learning to pray for my neighbor uh, before I moved to, to Omaha. And a big part of that prayer was just the honest admission that like, I don't like him. He keeps his yard way too neat. And it bothers me mostly because my yard was not. And I had a beautiful moment as I was just honest with the Lord about my frustration with my neighbor. He revealed to me that just, just this like passing memory of my neighbor was always out on this perfectly groomed lawn playing catch with his kids. And I admired that. And I realized part of, part of my frustration and annoyance with him was actually more of a, more of a jealousy 
And just this little glimpse where the Lord kind of gave me this picture or maybe completed the picture. I was obsessing about the perfectly groomed lawn. And then I was like, yeah, he's, he's using that lawn really well. He's always out there playing catch. And suddenly my, my relationship with my neighbor went from like kind of a suspicious hostility, <laughs> at least interiorly in, in me to an admiration. And that, that changed, you know, I never told him, but that changed the kind of, it's like, Hey, I used to think you were a jerk, but I never told him, <laughs> never told him, but it changed the conversations we had over, over the fence because I was coming to him from a, a, a place of respect and admiration. Talk about those frustrations. How did you move past that? Because I think so often we, we withdraw from people that aren't like us. And so we give ourselves permission to withdraw and isolate. And it seems like you guys went the other way. Yeah. I, getting over them is always a work in progress, I'll say. <laughs> you know, there's... <laughs> there's still those annoyances. There's still things that they say. There's still subjects and topics that they talk about that make us feel uncomfortable, mm. but it's, it's not something that the Lord would ever, ever, ever shy away from. Right. I mean, he, he spoke with mm. prostitutes. He went into the homes of, of great sinners and, and he allowed them to share their heart with him. And so that's kind of what I, try to lean on is how do I be here for them without encouraging that conversation? And so I've tried to refine my skill of changing the subject, <laughs> uh, changing the topic to, to something Ministry else. skill 101. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so about them Huskers. Uh, yeah. I actually, there was one time, I don't remember what we, we were talking about, but he did, he totally changed the subject and I caught it and I was like, Oh, I see what he just did there. <laughs> and I said something later and I was like, did you do that on purpose? He was like, yes, I did. We, we needed to get out of that conversation, <laughs> but it really, it changed it so fast. But, you know, to, to be honest, there are still times where we just kind of get up and walk away and, you know, we use the excuse of, Oh, it's late or, Oh, we have a, we have a morning, an early morning, you know, when it's, when you're unable to unravel where they've been, mm -hmm. sometimes it's better to, to escape, but, but not to escape entirely and forever, you know, just, mm -hmm. just that moment, just that time uh, until you can come back in a moment when maybe they're, they're more in control of their speech <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. or, you know, when, when it's just one or two of, of them. I don't know. There are still times where, where we need to just separate and kind of recharge and, and go back to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't know what you did there. Or if, if we did something wrong, but uh, we need to try again. Uh, we need mm -hmm. to try a different, different approach. I mean, to be completely honest, you just asking the question, I'm like, Oh, dang it. I need to go back outside more often. <laughs> Cause I feel yeah. like I have been high, you know, there are many differing views and strong, strong opinions. And so it is easier to hide sometimes and come home and just close the garage and not go out. But it's those small moments of leaving the garage open when you walk around your car that opens those opportunities, just even to say, hi, how are you? How are things going? Versus like, I don't want to talk to you. That's a good question to help recommit to like, yep, you're right. We just need to keep, keep being there and being I mean, I, for me, 
I know this is shocking. I was telling some people this this afternoon that it's like, I think my neighbors actually talk more than I do. And they're like, what? (laughs) (laughs) And so I was like, I know it's shocking. And I now know how you all feel (laughs) listening to me. But um, so I do, it's just, it's a good opportunity though, to be a good listener. And just to like that, again, what you were saying, like just being there and um I think they're well aware of like our stance on things and you know when it's like oh yep I've got a holy hour or when they see me in the morning going to mass and like where are you going so early I just go to mass every day yeah I just want to go spend time with Jesus every day and so it's just those little little nudges those small seeds of planning and like Aaron said this it's on God I tell him that all the time with catechesis and home and school I'm like this is your school it's your program you got to do your thing mm-hmm. So I think the same thing with this, like these are, you you love them more than we do. And so we just have to, we're just planting seeds and he'll, who knows what he'll do with them. Well, I love how this is just so ordinary, but this is the way, I mean, this is the way the church is supposed to grow. Our our neighborhoods are supposed to be better places, Our, our places of work, our families, extended families, all those things. They're supposed to be impacted by our faith. And I just, I love the way you all have just given yourselves to a very, just very ordinary ministry of presence. Aaron, we've talked about this, this concept of the thresholds. How has that concept as someone's moving from left to right, as they're drawing, you know, deeper into relationship with the Lord, how's that concept helped you pray for and engage your neighbors? Oh, it, it, it has changed it immensely. I, I, all of a sudden, evangelization became so much easier, less of a burden, uh, because I, I think before when I thought of evangelization, I, I thought of how do I tell them about Jesus all the time, always. And, and when I learned about the thresholds and, and just these different moments in, in any individual's journey, I realized that Sometimes they're not ready to hear specifically about Jesus. Like they just need mm. to develop a friendship and move closer to that. So a couple of the, the steps, you know, pre-trust and then trust, which is really where a lot of people stand today. I, I realize that I don't need to move them straight to a disciple of Jesus. I need to move them just enough to be curious about Jesus himself. And that was so freeing to me just to be able to share my own experiences with them. I didn't need to specifically tell them uh, a lot about Jesus himself, but just to share my own experiences with Jesus such that it would start to build up a, a curiosity in and amongst themselves. Uh, so it was really freeing for me. I felt so much less pressure. And then again, kind of paying attention to them you know, before when I thought about evangelization, I always considered, what do I need to say? What do I need to do to, to help to help them understand? Uh, but but really, the the idea of this thresholds is to to listen first, listen to where they are in their own journey, uh, and then just help them take that one next step, help guide them in the one next step. Mm. Aaron, that's fantastic. Maybe as we close here, I was reminded there was, a, I, I came across a really uh, very great article a couple of years back. It's this, they call it the bless method. Like, how do you bless your neighbors? And it's just a simple acronym for remembering 
the basics of relational outreach, which you guys have totally done. I mean, this is the, the foundation. So I'll, I'll share it quickly because I think it's helpful and I think it's a nice mental way to capture what, what you all have lived. So the blessed method is, you know, B, begin with prayer. Just, just a commitment to praying with those around you, which is exactly, Aaron, you're talking about just this prayer and this honest prayer where it's like, gosh, Lord, I have a desire here for something more. Uh, I want to have a little bit more meaningful conversation with this person. And then L, listen, right? Listen to them with a truly open heart, which is what, what you all did. I mean, there's just this, this real commitment to listen and then every now and then change the subject, but just to like, let them be themselves to hear them. Uh, e, eat or drink, share a beverage with them, right? It's just share life together. S, serve them. Like when we're listening, when we're in relationship, there's the opportunities for just simple service, presence, those things come up. And when all of those things are in place. We've begun with prayer. We've listened. We're eating, sharing life together. We're, we're serving. Then the opportunity to share comes up. And I love you talked about how your daughter is like this little evangelist, like sharing, recognizing, and, and able to, right? Because they grew up together. They get, they have this conversation. They try to like, after all, we went to Jerusalem together in the basement. <laughs> you know, we've been cooking uh, with the book of James. They have this relationship where then all in that context, she's able to share. Really beautiful. What would you guys say as you, maybe as we close here, just any real practical takeaways? If somebody's like, oh, this sounds great how do I get started? I don't know. My life feels so busy. I don't, I don't even know my neighbor's names yet. If somebody's feeling a little bit of tug on their heart to do this themselves, give them some practical places to begin. It, it seems almost a little too cliche, but obviously begin with prayer. I mean, there's no, there's no better start. The, the Lord, like we said, the Lord wants this uh, more than you do. And if you're starting to have that desire on your heart, Tell the Lord that. T tell him what your desire is. Tell him what you're mm. what you're wanting to do, and, and he'll open those avenues. He'll he'll allow those encounters with your neighbors to occur. Yeah, I would just add on to that too. I found maybe not with the neighbors as much, but at school in my my role as home and school president, it's just really um, wanting to have those relationships and being like, Lord, what people do I need to run into today, and can you guide those conversations? And it the days that I remember to specifically like ask for that and to send my guardian angel ahead and to prepare the conversations are the days that with these amazing conversations just flow out of, you know, like business talk at the school and, and then it flows into something much more meaningful. So I would agree with mm. just being intentional about asking for those to have those conversations. Yeah. So, mm. so definitely first and foremost, pray uh, again, it's, it's his, his world, his work, just allow yourself to be drawn into it. I'd say another very practical and easy step is to just to make yourself available, you know, mm -hmm. sitting on the front porch instead of the back, as we talked about, you know, instead of going in and, and drinking a nice glass of ice water after mowing the lawn inside, sit on your front steps, take a slower walk to the mailbox, you know, just be present and, and be available. Uh, especially in, in today's world of being isolated in our homes, 
Mm -hmm. People have a natural desire to want to talk to other people. (laughs) Uh, They will, if you start with prayer and then make yourself available, I'm confident God will draw them outside of their house. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love, I mean, I love that. I I mean, I'm hoping, right, you know, some of the people are listening. It's like, dear Jesus, please send my neighbor over with two drinks to come (laughs) hang out with me. (laughs) You know, like, I just appreciate, Aaron, your willingness to take take this, the sacrifices and the hardships of witnessing for the kingdom. Yeah. But I mean, the, the Lord will, he, I mean, that's, that's one of the, one of the like hidden secrets of evangelization. When we make ourselves available, the Lord does all the heavy lifting. He brings people to us. I mean, availability is, I'd say it's half it's, but it's more than half of the challenge. Yeah. You can't build relationships if you're not there. All right. I think we need to close there. That is perfect. For those of you who are interested, we referenced a couple of times the uh, thresholds of conversion. We'll put a link on there. It's a really helpful mental roadmap that often helps us think and pray about the people the Lord has put in our lives. So check that out. We'll put that in the show notes. Thank you so much, Brooke, Aaron. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for what you guys are doing for the kingdom in very simple, ordinary ways. If you would like to check out the show notes, you can find them at equip.archomaha.org. There you can check out the blog, the show notes, um, subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And uh, if you want to share this out, we are at Equipcast, all one word on all the major podcasting platforms. Guys, thanks for thanks for being with us. Yeah, thank you for having us. Thanks for having us, Jim. Thanks, everybody. See you later.